What makes Utiva Control Supplements so powerful in the fight to maintain a healthy urinary tract? Each Utiva capsule is made from locally sourced cranberries. We specifically extract the proanthocyanidins, their bioactive component, also known as PAX. High concentration of PAX, exactly 36 milligrams, the exact dosage in each Utiva capsule is clinically proven to help stop bacteria from sticking to the bladder wall and causing an infection. With one Utiva capsule every day, this helps promote the natural flushing of bacteria every time you pee. And just like that, the bacteria is gone. What's amazing about Utiva is that one small Utiva capsule provides the same pack content as about nine regular cranberry pills. Start Utiva today and join over 10,000 other people who are now living UTI-free. Hi, I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of NaturallySavvy.com and co-host of our Naturally Savvy podcast. And I am Lisa Davis, MPH health educator, co-host of Naturally Savvy and author of the book, Cleaning Eating Dirty Sex Memoir Cookbook Healthy Lifestyle Guide. At Naturally Savvy, we are here to help you make healthier lifestyle choices. So we are so honored that you are tuning in to listen to our podcast on a weekly basis. And we are here to engage you, have fun, and help you live your healthiest lifestyle. Now, on to the show. Naturally Savvy Podcast is sponsored by Morphus for Menopause. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. It is our 1000th episode, so of course I'm going to sing. Hello, lovely Andrea. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Hello, Lisa. 1000. 1000 podcast episodes. I mean, Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, let's give each other a hand. I know it's incredible. And it's just for people who don't know, the way this all started is I used to have a show on a couple NPR stations called It's Your Health. And I had Andrea on to talk about unjunk her junk, unjunk your junk food. And it's an incredible book, by the way. You should get it. And we just clicked and it's like, we need to do something together. So what's so nice is sometimes people say that, oh my God, you're amazing. Let's do something. And then like, you never hear from mom or everyone's busy, but this, like we made it happen. And she actually flew out here from Canada and we taped for a few days and we had uh, Suzanne Summers and a bunch of other amazing people. And it was awesome. And we've been going strong. I think that was in 2013 because oh I gosh. believe your daughter who is was two. Oh How old is she gosh. now? Uh, so that it would be Abby is, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. She's 10. She's 10. Yeah. So yeah. eight years. Wow. That is incredible. Oh wow. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. It's been amazing. Good memory, Lisa. That's incredible. Yeah, it's been eight years of podcasting. And you yeah. know what's cool is that we've been doing it for so long and now it's like hip and trendy, but yet we were doing it way before it was hip and trendy. So right now everyone and their uncle has a podcast. But what's so exciting about what we've done, I'm not going to talk for you, but I'm going to talk for you, I guess, Sure. is just the amount of people that we've learned from and the people who have shared their stories and things that have that they learned that they were able to pass on to us that we can now we were able to pass on to our listeners to all of you who are listening so we hope you've got you know you had so much value from our podcast from the naturally savvy podcast and in terms of 
understanding how to take care of our body, understanding how to make healthier choices, understanding that we do have choices and Absolutely. understanding when we make better choices, it can help us propel us to where it is we want to go on our health journey. So we want to, you know, thank you for listening, for downloading, for sharing, for, you know, rating us because without your help, we really wouldn't have been here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's so true. And I think what's great too is, yeah, we've had amazing celebrities like Ed Bagley Jr. and Alan Arkin, and I mentioned Suzanne Summers and Jennifer Esposito and Carol Alt and many more, but we've also just had incredible everyday people who've made incredible changes in their health and in their lives that come on the podcast to inspire other people. I also love toot our horn a little bit. I feel like we're very actionable. I like people to walk away from the podcast saying, okay, I, I heard about this brand of probiotic, or I heard about this type of kale or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> that I can, or this recipe that I can, I don't have to think about it. I can immediately put what I learn into action. And I love that. Mm, that's a really good point. And you know what else I love is we cover all facets of health. So mind, body, and spirit. And for me, that is a huge part of our health journey, right? So we know that when certain things happen to us and it manifests physically, we know that it starts with an emotional component. So that was something for me that was very enlightening over the years is to really understand that emotional component and working through, working through our stuff. Because when we work through our stuff emotionally, then our health, we can reap the health physically. And that has been a huge uh, eye-opener for me and something that I believe in and practice. So that I love. We have so many great interviews from people who, with people who have enlightened us and uh, you know, talked about their spiritual journey. And you know, we talked about meditation and non-meditation, right? So like, you know, when we had the Akira <laughs> concept on, we talked about unmeditation. I mean, that was huge about, you know, just because when we think of the word meditation, a lot of us, and Lisa, I know you've talked to this about this a lot is the, you know, quieting your monkey mind. And for many of us, we can't, I'm one of those people too. I can't just sit there and quiet my mind. So a walking meditation, walking in the forest, you know, just deep breathing, all of these are ways to help to trigger our parasympathetic nervous system that helps us to relax, that helps us to get into a meditative state for whatever that meditative state is for you. And I think that's another lesson that I've learned over our thousand episodes is that we're all unique. We're all different. What works for me may not work for you. And what works for you may not work for me. And that's okay. And that's why we provide options. And that's why we provide different ways of doing things for different people. And take what you want from this, take what you want from that, and then apply it to your own life. There isn't one size fits all when it comes to health. Yeah, absolutely. I also love all the interviews we did with David Pollack. I love talking about beauty and from the inside mm, out. Yeah. There's so much more knowledge now about skincare and how important it is to be aware of not just what you're putting in your body, but what you're putting on your on body. Your body. Yeah. And I think that that goes a long way as well. And just to hear other people again, who who've overcome things you can share and how they did it too. Again, that's actionable too. You know, I just interviewed a woman who's going to be coming on soon and her son was, uh, he had something where he had a deficiency in something called calcium ATPase. I've never even heard of it, but it was really interesting because there might be somebody out there going, oh, my son has this weird rash and his, his muscles aren't working well. And I don't know why, and I don't know what's going on. And, and the doctors had no idea and there was no nutrition advice. So she had to be a sleuth and a detective and she had to figure it out. She's like, oh, it's artificial dyes. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And she had to do all the work because, you know, and even I, I, I've interviewed thousands of doctors. And let me tell you, most of them will admit they don't get much nutrition, if any education, oh, right? Yeah, they have the ones that, that have gone yeah. above and beyond are the type we like to have on the show who actually had to go and learn it themselves. At any rate, 
who knows who's listening? She might, you know, change somebody's life because she brought up this thing that I, I've been in the health field 25 years. I've never heard of calcium ATPase. Have you heard of that? I haven't, no. Right? So that's coming up. There's so many interesting things. There's this, I interviewed this great woman recently. She's an actress and she's also a millennial. And she has this, her name is Chanel Minifield. And she is so fun. You're going to love her. She's just full of energy. And she has a show now on Ruko Taste. I think it's called Taste TV. It's called Yes, That's Vegan. And we just had a blast. Now, I'm not a vegan, but I do encourage people to eat a lot, you know, of plant-based things. But it's just like the energy of people that come on and just different ideas. If you want to just mix up your diet, there's just so much. It's awesome. It really is. And, you know, Lisa, I want to take a second because I know that both of us have other podcasts that we do as well. So we have our Naturally Savvy podcast, which is all about making healthier lifestyle choices. And then Lisa recently started a podcast. Why don't you tell everybody about the podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been almost a year. I can't believe it. It's called Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. And being, you know, my whole life, I've been raised to be an ally and to be anti-racist. And if you want to know what being an anti-racist is, you need to listen to the show. But it's super important. And we talk about these different issues. We have different authors on, and we also have regular people come on and share their experiences. There's a lot of racial trauma going on and people need to share tools, especially people of color who are dealing with this bombardment of these police killings and all the things going on. And, and it's like you're re-traumatized every single time, and but yet you're expected to just show up to work and be fine, right? Like you're not having these traumatic things happening. So we share so much information. I have a wonderful co-host. Her name is Sunny Day. She's a black woman. And it's amazing. I'm really proud of that. And I, I took my anger and my sadness and said, I need to do something. And I remember I told my dad and he was so proud. And he said, I'm so glad because you can just sit in it or you can do something. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's one of my heroes because he's taught me to be this way in the first place. He and my mother and my grandparents. I was lucky. For people who aren't so lucky, why don't you just come learn, learn to be an ally, learn what it's all about. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Andrew. It's, it's a, pa- obviously <laughs> it's a passion of mine because things are just crazy and we need, we need some support. Absolutely. We're going to put a link to it in the, in, in oh, the comments in the, in nice. the section below. Yeah. So that way in the show notes, so that way you can find Lisa's podcast. And I recently started a new podcast called Morphous for menopause and on my journey and, you know, going through perimenopause and menopause, it's become a passion for me in the last four years. I've done a lot of my team and I have been doing a ton of work around perimenopause and menopause. So even if you're not in menopause or perimenopause, but you have a parent, you know, your mom, your aunt, a sister, a friend, anybody who is in this phase of life. And, you know, what's interesting is that through our research, we've learned that as we're going into perimenopause, many of us don't realize it's perimenopause. And we're like, well, wait, how come my body's changing? I don't really understand what's going on. And like you said before, doctors aren't trained in menopause. And I interviewed an amazing woman who will be on our Morphous uh, podcast in the next couple of weeks. And her name is Dr. Lakeisha McMillan. And she's an OBGYN, an integrative OBGYN. And she was talking about how they get very, like none, pretty much no education around menopause. So it's really finding that right doctor. So it has been my passion. We just launched our website. We are morphous.com, M-O-R-P-U-S. Yeah, that launched a couple of weeks ago, which we're very, very excited and proud about. So if you're in this phase, please share it. Go subscribe to both Lisa's podcast and my other podcast. And uh, it's about expanding knowledge, right? When it comes to just expanding our minds and understanding what else is out there and how we can, like you said, Lisa, take action because whether it's, you know, anger or whether it's, you know, you have to because of a health issue, whatever it is that inspires you 
to do better. That's what makes us super happy, right, Lisa? Absolutely. Tell us the link one more time. The link to my website is www.weareamorphous.com. Talk to us about the name Morphous. Mm, oh my gosh, I love that. So Morphous, so we, we base it based on the, obviously coming from the butterfly and the butterfly goes through metamorphosis. So we were thinking, well, how fun would it be to come out with a play on the word metamorphosis? And so we came up with, we, we came up with Morphous, but what's nice about Morphous is it's a, it's a blend between metamorphosis and us, and we are a community. So it's not just about each of us individually going through perimenopause and menopause. It's about us as a community, a collective of women who are going through it. So we just took the morph and the us, we put it together. And that's how we came up with Morphous. Oh, that's awesome. By the way, my co-host Sunny wants to be a guest because she's got some stories about <laughs> yes, please, perimenopause I would love that. and please. menopause. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm meeting a lot of interesting women on Clubhouse too, who are also, you know, the other thing I love about this show, and it, it, this is, I'm very candid. So I'm like complaining about my skin laxity and this, you know, and I feel like that's, you want to be real, right? Like women deal with these things. You know, I'm going to be 54 in August and I have seen a dramatic change in my body since turning 50, yeah. like dramatic yeah. and it's flipping difficult. And I'm, yeah. I'm at this place of, I, I want to be accepting, but it's very difficult. So I love the honest conversations that we have. I have this little tummy now. I've never had a tummy before, but at the same time, I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm in my mid fifties. Why do we have to like, look like we're 25, right? So there's this balance of wanting to look as good as we can, but I feel like looking our age and that's a whole nother. And we, we, we've debated about that. And those are the kind of real conversations that I love. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot, even at, through Naturally Savvy, we've talked about it, but also on Morphous, we've talked about it. You know, it's going through the aging process and what does that mean for us? And how does our, how do our bodies change? And when we look in the mirror, we don't see that we, you know, we feel like we're maybe in our thirties or forties, but we, you know, we're obviously our real age isn't that. And then we look into the mirror, we look in the mirror, we're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like that doesn't look like me. Who is that person? Who's taking over my body? Like, I don't even like, there's like an alien that's kind of come in and taken over my body. So we definitely, we cover all of that. I mean, yeah. It's like, whose neck is this? Like, <laughs> like wait, that's not mine. <laughs> but I, I love the authenticity part. And I think that's the key uh, is really being authentic and, and being okay. And, and, and that brings me actually to your book because oh, great. you've written a, an incredible book and you know, what's, what's interesting. And if you think about it, when you came up with the title, and I know you had some issues around the title and people who were very averse to that title. So tell us a little bit about the book and why you came up. And by the way, Lisa and I are going to be doing an interview for Morphous on her book and on sexual health. And we're talking about it over at Morphous. So again, please be sure to subscribe to both Lisa's active allyship as well as Morphous podcast. So you can kind of learn a lot more. Oh, that's great. Yes. And the full title active allyship is more than a hashtag. I just put that because I'm not sure if there's another part. Don't worry. I'll wear a turtleneck. So I don't scare everybody. Just joking. See? Self-deprecating and humor, humor, but also humor. You're very, you know, you, you well, I'm a big goof. Yeah. I got a quick wit, even though I'm, and I'm a big goof, but so the book is clean eating, dirty sex. And thanks for asking about it, Andrea. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's just a pun. I grew up in a family where play on words was a big thing. So clean, dirty. I didn't think people would take it literally. And it was just the other day I was thinking, well, duh, Lisa, I mean, it says clean eating, dirty sex, but like half the people I would say, take it literally. And other people just laugh. They're like, yeah, we know it's not going to be about dirty sex. It's just funny. But the book really is amazing. I mean, it's a memoir. It's a lifestyle guide. And it's a cookbook. There's over 50 recipes by Erin McDonald. She's a registered dietitian. She does uh, for Clean Eating Magazine. She does their column. And 
She does a course for them, which is great. And Andrea is in the book and there's over 50 experts in the book as well, ranging from functional medicine doctors to registered dietitians to exercise physiologists, sexologists, psychologists. There's a whole list of foods that are great for your sexual health, exercise and communication too. I mean, that's the thing. It's also a whole chapter on skincare because I'm obsessed with skin. I was actually thinking about becoming an esthetician in addition to what I'm doing because I love skin so much, but then COVID hit and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put that on the back burner. But at any rate, it's really, it's good. And even if you're celibate, I, I highly recommend it. So I'm really proud of it. It's, it's do, it seems to be doing okay. You know, it's tough. Books are tough. Um, I mean, I've been, la- I don't know if you heard, Andrew, the last at least two or three episodes, I think I mentioned on junk your junk food. Like it just, especially that woman who has a son with the calcium ATPase mm, and he oh has to gosh. be so careful, but he's in college and he wants to have some tater chips, you know what I mean? Or he wants to have a candy, but you can now without all the junk, right? I mean, yeah, there's sugar and I'm getting off topic, but I just think it's so important to give people this information and I'm super proud of the book. And I, I think it's, I think it's fun, you know, and, and informative and kind of serious. I share a, some pretty serious candid stuff in there as well. You'll laugh, but you'll also go, oof, you know, like, oh, that happened to you. I'm sorry. You know? So I think but it's I really love, good. I love the topic of sexual health too. And I think it's an important thing. And I think a lot of us especially as we get into perimenopause and menopause, it becomes a real issue. I mean, women's libido changes. And I think talking about it and, you know, we'll save that for the Morpheus podcast. And, yes. Uh, so I was going to say, I used to be sex crazed. I mean, I still like it, but no, it's changed. <laughs> menopause. I mean, it does it to you. So please subscribe Morpheus for menopause, active allyship. It's more the, than a hashtag. I know it's a long title. Do they have to search everything or can you just search active I think allyship? if you, I don't know if there's a, this is something I should check. There might be another podcast called Active Allyship, but the reason we named it Active Allyship is more than a hashtag is because when George Floyd was killed and they did the thing on social media where people put up a black square, most of it, I'm just being honest, I think a lot of it was performative. And if you're going to be a true ally, you need to really learn what that means and you need to speak out. And when you have your racist uncle over for Thanksgiving and he says something, racist you don't just go oh that's just uncle ted and he's just a drunk idiot no you confront him i don't you, too bad if you don't want to have a, a fight at thanksgiving or whatever like you have to speak out so it's more than just it's like it's great if you want to use social media to promote social justice and hashtag things that's awesome but you got to go beyond that so that's why actually the original title <laughs> was um what was it uh Active allyship is more than tweeting, bitch. But we had the bitch, like we had, uh, we had like the asterisk. And I the, know what you're saying. But then yeah. Sunny was like, "Nah, I'm not comfortable with that." But I mm-hmm. thought that was really good because, see, I like to bring attention to things, right? Right. That's. Um, but we're doing fine. It's fine. But I, th- I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, good for you. I mean, taking action is key. So whether it is with when it comes to racism, absolutely. Whether it comes to your health, so thank you, Lisa, for doing that and. Uh, it's a great podcast. So absolutely. Oh, thank you. Subscribe to that immediately. It's fabulous. Yes. So we have put together a compilation, just little snippets, maybe five or six snippets of some very special guests. Some are celebrities, some are not. And uh, so please keep listening because we're going to jump into that in a couple minutes. But Andrea, I'm just, I'm so glad we came together. I mean, it's just been life-changing. And I also love that. First of all, thank you. And I've enjoyed it as well. You know, what what I find the most rewarding is the fact that it's two women supporting each other. And 
for those of you who know me and know Naturally Savvy and what I do is I've had the same female business partner. Her name is Randy Boyer and she isn't on our podcast. You will probably never have heard her voice because Randy is quiet and she's in the background and she really is. We've been 50-50 partners for 21 years now. And my whole thing is about support and especially women supporting each other. And so Randy and I've been partners and Lisa and you and I have been partners for eight years now on the podcast. And unfortunately I don't make all the podcasts, but you have really, you have stepped up and you have made this, um, you know, made it, you know, what it is. And I'm so grateful for you and for all of you who are listening. I mean, Lisa's a rock star and just having women supporting each other for me makes me really happy because the more we support each other, the more we make a difference. And there's too much, too much jealousy and there's too much, too many, too much fighting and like everything that goes on, especially amongst women. And to me, health, women supporting each other and having healthy relationships amongst each other is really crucial too, and a big part of Naturally Savvy. So although we may not talk about it, it really is an underlying force of good of what we do as a whole between you and I, Lisa, and between Randy and I. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, this has been super fun, and I'm excited to uh, to listen to some of our uh, some of our highlights. And here's to another thousand episodes, babe. Woohoo! Thank you all for listening. Now, here are those clips. We love her. Suzanne Summers, a new way to age, the most cutting edge advances in anti-aging. We can listen to the language of our body to have it tell us what we need to be working on. You're itchy. That's probably your hormones. You're not sleeping. It's probably hormones or thyroid, which is also a hormone. There are new ways to take care of the heart. You know, if you are experiencing high blood pressure, which as you age, that starts to happen. There are other ways to do it than by taking um, pharmaceutical blood pressure medicine. And may I say right now that I'm not anti-pharmaceutical. When you need them, you need them, and they're a godsend, and um, we've all needed them. But if you're like like me, and you'd rather go natural first, because you can always go back, pharmaceutical, but it's sometimes harder to do it in reverse. Um, To try all the natural uh, approaches first, and then if that doesn't work, then you go to allopathic. You're so passionate. So because you're learning all of this new information and what's great is that you're sharing it with everybody, right? So you're like, hey, I'm learning this amazing stuff to help that's going to help us age gracefully. It's going to help us age well and healthy. And I'm now helping you. And one of the questions that stood out for me when I was reading your book is, was there anything that surprised you the most when you were when you were writing this book that you didn't already know of or that you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to scream this from the rooftops because I am now going to help millions of people age, you know, well? Yeah, there's a lot in there. For instance, you know, I, I approach my books wide open. And as I interview different doctors, it's always interesting how a theme starts emerging. And what's emerging mm-hmm. now is cellular health. Now, when they first started mm-hmm. talking about it, I'm thinking, so what? And then you realize that you and me are approximately 40 trillion cells, and they all communicate with wow. one another. And the definition of health is having more functioning cells than malfunctioning cells. But the lives we live are conducive to malfunctioning cells, uh, processed food, um, uh, electromagnetic radiation, uh, electromagnetic fields, um, uh, the stress of today's world, all these things, uh, you know, I, I always have to explain to people 
the difference between free radicals and antioxidants and why we mm-hmm. need to take antioxidants because free radicals are the bad guys and the antioxidants are the good guys and mm-hmm. and you got to you know like a, a you know Pac-Man uh, knock the free radical guys down so I want to bring in the wonderful Marianne Williamson. We are beyond thrilled to have her on the program. We're going to be talking about her new book, Tears to Triumph, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. As painful as these times are, and as much as they do change us, some of the changes we go through are not necessarily for the worse, and sometimes they're for mm-hmm. the better. They're the ways we grow up, aren't they? They're the ways we, we become very clear about what's important in life. A relationship mm-hmm. breaks up, and we are ultimately forced to look at our part in 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 the whatever disaster might have occurred you know who will we choose to be next time in a relationship when people mm-hmm. we love die this is how we learn you know viscerally that life does not go on forever not on this plane so mm-hmm. i wanted to write a book about our having a conversation about these dark times without labeling you know we've we've begun to medicalize normal human despair we see things as a disorder that are not a disorder. It's, there's nothing dysfunctional about crying when something is very, very sad. What's dysfunctional is short-circuiting our suffering that inevitably arises when, when life is deeply disturbing or painful. That happens. You know, I recently lost my grandfather a couple of weeks ago, and I, you know, and I just got this book, and it was very good timing on that part. And I, when I was reading it, one of the a couple lines in the book really, you know, resonated with me. You know, when you said the depth of my suffering depends to a large degree a large degree on how I interpret the experience. A period of mourning with all of its wailing, its tears, and its suffering isn't necessarily the sign of a problem. It's simply the sign of love. And when I read that, I was like, wow. That is so profound. And I thought that was incredible that you wrote that in the book. So and I think people who are reading it, it just allows people to be where they're at. It allows them to mourn. It allows them to to really get through it. I think that that really is the issue. Permission. When I was younger, when I was a child, I was a young woman, this society gave much more permission just culturally. It was understood if somebody lost their uh, uh, an immediate family member to death, it was kind of just the prevailing attitude that it would take a year before they were really themselves again. A year. Now we talk about it like, you know, if it's three months out and you're still crying, well, you're not handling it well. Maybe you need treatment. Maybe you should be on something. And it's particularly Mm -hmm. ironic, given the fact that we're always going on and on about what a genius the body is. Well, if the body is Mm -hmm. such a genius, why are we doubting uh, our tears? I grew up with a mother with an invisible illness, and I have a daughter with some invisible challenges as well. And this is a topic that is very near to my heart, and it, all, it is also very near to the heart of our wonderful guest, Jennifer Esposito. She's back. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you on, Jennifer. You know firsthand what it's like to go to the doctors and tell your friends, and everyone says, oh, you look fine. What are you talking about? What do you mean there's something wrong? Why don't you, for people who aren't familiar, jump into your story a little bit about your celiac disease and that invisible aspect that makes it so complicated. Yeah, it's completely invisible. Just recently, I went to a doctor to ask him about the latest God knows what is going on with me, and... um, you know, they look at me, literally said, you look great, you don't look sick. And it's, it's such, a, look, no one wants to look sick. So I'm not saying that we want to hear like, oh, you look sick. But it's just getting someone to understand the pain that you're in silently 
even though you cannot see it, doesn't mean it is not real. And for decades, I went undiagnosed with celiac disease, and I went to doctor after doctor after doctor, of course not knowing what was wrong, and my ailments stemmed everywhere from sinus infections to stomach issues, but more so from panic attacks. So I was told it was it was everything under the sun except for what it exactly was. And a lot of the time it was you're a hypochondriac or you, you are dramatic or, you know, I think you need some Prozac or take some antidepressants or, or some anti-anxiety pills. And, and it's, it's extremely, um, I say in my book, it's extremely, it, it kills your soul in a way to be so unheard for so long and um, know that there is something wrong. And, you know, to go to these people who claim to want to help, and they're not really listening. And uh, it's, it's, it's very, very, very upsetting and very difficult to live with, um, not only in, in your own mind, but the people around you, the people that you love and you look to for support. They're looking at you like, you know, really? Is it really that hard? Is it? Do you really feel that bad? Because I don't see you looking so bad. So they don't really understand it. It is so frustrating, you know, that I, I find it soul crushing. I, I, that happened it with is. my mother, yeah. really, who just, she it would is. just lie in the dark and she got really depressed and, and yep. people were just so unsupportive and, and my yeah. her friends would be like, you know, Diane, you're too smart for this. You're so creative. Why do you yeah. let all these things get in your way? Because she had really severe sensory yeah. issues. And, yeah. you know, I, I have a book coming out called Easy to Love but Hard to Live With that talks about people that have brain-based invisible right. uh, disabilities like autism, spectrum, ADHD, right. um, mental illnesses, learning disabilities. There's an interview mm-hmm. with Henry Winkler about his dyslexia. And, and you get that same thing, you know, when you read their stories, it's that same frustration. And we wanted mm-hmm. the book to show people that there is support, there is hope. And yeah. it just reminded me so much of your story. Yeah. It, you know, it, when you, you were telling me about the, that it's brain-based, what a lot of people don't understand, they're finding major, major um, link between celiac disease and schizophrenia right now. So, wow. um, you know, celiac disease lives in the small intestine. The small intestine is in charge of serotonin. Serotonin is off. Your your whole it's off. Your brain is off. Depression seeks in. Mood swings. It it's completely related. I can attest to all of it. I, I mean, it has been a journey for me with depression. I grew up seeing my mother sitting in a dark room, and and would mm-hmm. literally go away from life for a little bit because she has undiagnosed celiac disease. I saw it with myself. I would just retreat from the world. I just thought I'd like to be alone, which I kind of do, but not to this extent where I would just retreat from the world and that was it and not talk, not, not, not be a part of life. And I realize now how much of life I missed because of those um, behaviors, which I could have controlled with my eating. You know, um, it's not, of course, that simple, but it, it, it then is that simple because our food is a major part in what our brain is doing, major and uh, I don't think oh, a lot of people so understand that. This disease is ongoing. It's constant. It's not always fun. Am I telling you to jump off the bridge? Absolutely not. It's called life. And I always feel if you look a problem in the face, address it, accept it, digest it, 
you can move on. Instead of putting a blanket over it and pretending everything is fine when it's not, I just don't see the sense in that. The fantastic, fantastic. Ed Bagley Jr. Yay! Hi, Ed. Thank That's you, awesome. Andrea, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. Talk to us about this incredible green home, your dream home that you're building with your lovely wife, Rochelle, in Los Angeles. Well, in 1988, uh, years before I met Rochelle, I bought this home, a 1936 energy inefficient home that I set about making more energy efficient with great success. And we featured that renovation, that you know, change, that upgrade, if you will, on the show Living with Ed for three seasons. And that was, I think, quite successful as a project and as a show. It influenced a lot of people to try green things all across America and the world. So I was happy with that. But then we decided to show what you could do with new construction. Rochelle had been hounding me for years about more closet space because this is a very tiny house that I bought when I was a single person. <laughs> and, uh, and so there wasn't, and that, now we have a teenager sharing the same bathroom with her mother. It was kind of starting to be a problem. So we talked about doing a renovation here in this lot. It was out of scale with the neighborhood. So we found a home that we could renovate, we thought, about a mile east of us. And then it turned out we couldn't do what we needed to. Hence, the new project and the new show on Begley Street that is about doing a home from the ground up, you know, to take a vacant lot to recycle the old home. We didn't want to take that old home and destroy all that work put into that 1936 home a mile east of us. Either we wanted to, you know, there's a lot of embedded carbon and work and energy in that. You don't want to throw that in the landfill, so we had to find ways to recycle that. We got Habitat for Humanity to take all the easy pickups, the doors, the windows, the stove, the microwave. And then another company came in and, and took all the, uh, you know, the bricks and the wood and everything out of it. We recycled 96% of the existing home. Wow. That's and now incredible. we're building... A home, the way a home, a new home should be built in 2013, which is big, thick walls, passive solar design, lots of rainwater catchment underground, 10 kilowatts of solar, gray water, and on and on. I won't bore you with all the details, but everything you can do in 2013 with new home construction, which is a lot. That's incredible. And you actually just answered the question I was thinking about what exactly does it mean to have a green home in addition to the recycling, but you just listed off a couple of things. What is the, what was it, gray water? Is that one of the ones you the just gray said? gray water, you take the water, you can't take it from toilets. That's considered black water and other like your garbage disposal. There's too much organic matter in those pipes, but you take it from the shower, from the laundry machine, from the bathroom sink. That water is called gray water because it's mostly water with a little bit of lint or hair or, you know, uh, other things in it, but it's very easy to filter that out. So we have it flowing by gravity down to a like a berm, an area that filters it naturally with different mulch and, 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 and uh, soils and rock and what have you. Then it goes out to the fruit orchard. So you are, with a very simple process, fed by gravity only, no holding tanks and things like that. I've tried gray water before, and it's going to be a problem to put it in the tank and store it for later irrigation use. It goes what they call anaerobic, you know, the bacteria that thrives in the absence of oxygen. And, and so uh, it can smell and clog and what have you. So this one is fed just by gravity, using natural processes in the yard, and it, it works very well. So that's gray water. We have 10,000 gallons of rainwater catchment stored underground in a huge tank, so we'll capture our rainwater as well. So Ed, what got you interested in the first place in living this green lifestyle? 
it really came from my dad. He was a conservative that liked to conserve. He had lived through the Great Depression. He was the son of Irish immigrants. He never used the word environmentalist, but he was one. You know, we turn off the lights, turn off the water, save string and save tinfoil. And so when he died very close to the first Earth Day, I did a lot of stuff to honor him, if you will. I started recycling. I started composting. Keep in mind, I'm a broken, struggling actor then, and my dad is gone. I don't have that my wonderful father to help support me anymore, so I had to do it all on the cheap. And so I did all this very inexpensive stuff, riding a bike for transportation, you know, uh, taking public transportation, composting, gardening, everything I did in a real budget. And lo and behold, as my dad kind of promised, if I did it right, I not only was protecting the earth, I was saving money. Hmm. And, oh, that's and so great. I stayed with it from 1970. I started the first Earth Day, 1970. I even bought an electric car in 1970, a Taylor wow, electric so... car, and it didn't go very yeah. far very fast. But I, I drove it. It was cheaper than buying gasoline. You were so ahead oh, of your time. Oh, that's so cool. You know, Ed, one of the things I definitely want to mention is I am so loving Family Tree. I'm crushed that the, se- the, the season just ended. I'm hoping for another season. Me I absolutely too. love it. It's another fantastic Christopher Guest creation. Talk to us a little bit about the improv and also about some of your other work. Of course, I have to mention I also loved you in Six Feet Under. You've been in all my favorite shows, Ed. It's amazing. <laughs> Bless you. I love all those shows, too. I've been very lucky to work with such good people. I love a book when I can get not only fantastic recipes, but gorgeous pictures, but also wonderful stories. So I am absolutely thrilled to have the fantastic Bonnie McDaniel, her book, Farm Girl in the City of Food and Love. You mentioned somebody named Lula, which I know is your grandmother. And you wrote, I was raised by who I think was the most incredible cook ever to grace this planet, my grandmother, Lula Duncan. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you, um, you know, many years later, of course, as an adult and, and people would marvel, which I have a tremendous amount of respect for Martha Stewart and talking about all the things that she knows how to do. You know, she's this, this amazing homemaker and, you know, she knows how to do everything. And I was like, hmm, my grandmother did all of that stuff. <laughs> she did it because that's how, you know, we took, she took care of our family. But it's, it, 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 when I think back, you know, I don't know if it ever happens to you, but um, whoever was the person that was always guiding you in your earlier years, it's amazing how situations will come up and you immediately, uh, it's like hearing a recording of that person either giving you advice or scolding you or chiding you because, you know, you're not supposed to do that, but it never leaves you. And so my grandmother, she was um, about, probably about 4'11". She's very, very uh, short. And my grandfather was like six two, so you had this these the oh, difference in, in in terms of the height. But she carried a big stick, and meaning that all she had to do was come into the room, and she put her hands on her hips, and she looked at you, and it was like, oh God, I am in so much trouble. She never said anything. <laughs> you just knew that you know you shouldn't have done whatever it was, and so. Uh, she was a, a huge influence on me, and I was always underfoot with her because I, I, I don't know, and, and again, I realized maybe it was because this is what my destiny was going to be. Um, I was always curious, you know, about what she was cooking, and we had this, um, a big piece of uh, land in town, but my grandfather also had a farm that was in the country, but she was always doing something. She was either canning or she was tending to stuff in the yard or, you know, in her garden or she was always busy. And it's amazing to me that today my husband says to me all the time, will you just 
just sit down and don't do anything. Don't check your messages. <laughs> you know, don't feel like you need to do needlepoint. You know, don't, if a thought pops in your head, you don't need to write it down or record it. And I find myself laughing because my grandmother was, she was the ultimate busybody, but in a good way. She was always doing something. Right. And so <laughs> growing up, and, and she used to always say to me when I was, you know, um, growing up, she, she would say, you know, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. So she always felt that it was important to keep me busy um, reading or doing something because, you know, she said, when you sit around and there's nothing going on, you know, you imagine all kinds of devilment to get into, she would say to me. So <laughs> uh, she was a huge, huge influence on me. And, and I, I am so, so grateful to, to have had her um, during my formative years. Oh, that is so wonderful, Bonnie. Well, you know, I'm, I want to jump into the recipes in this book and, and you have the Sunday okay. supper and I want to eat everything. You have lemon skillet. I'm just going to read a few of these. Lemon skillet fried chicken with whole cranberry sauce, old fashioned potato salad, spicy collard greens, shrimp gumbo, skillet cornbread, short ribs with honey and caramelized onions, southern fish stew, lobster mac and cheese, Cornish hens with citrus garlic sauce. Uh, you have a, something called purlue rice, chicken and rice, sweet potato casserole. I, I can go on and on. People have to get the book. Again, it is far Farm Girl in the City of Food and Love. <laughs> so let's jump into some of these. What are some of your, I mean, it's probably hard to pick your favorites, right? But I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you have like a few favorites? Um, I love shrimp gumbo. I mean, it's mm. just, when I think about something to warm me up inside and really take me back home, I love shrimp gumbo. I also love shrimp and grits. Uh, the shrimp mm. gumbo is something I would typically eat in the winter because it's, you know, it's heartier. Um, uh, the shrimp and grits, I that's a staple in, in the summer, it seems. Um, and you got to get the old-fashioned Carolina grits because, and this is not a knock on the grits that you find in the market, but they, once you eat Carolina grits, you just, you don't want anything else. When you cook, you use all of your senses. Uh, and yes. so for me, smell is, it tells me what needs to be added. Um and it always comes out, it's, it's remarkably, it comes out very well. The only thing that I cannot gauge is salt. Um, I'll put enough just to um, to heighten the flavors, That's, which is all salt is supposed to do in the first place when you're cooking with it. But normally I only have to add just a little bit of um, additional salt, and my husband will taste, um, you know, to test it for me or other people around. I'll call you in the kitchen, hey, do I need to add a little bit more salt? But normally the flavors... Um, the spices and herbs and things like that, they're always, they're right on. Judith Orloff, MD, Dr. Orloff, welcome back, I should say. Thank you very much. It's so nice to have you back on. I love the book. And you write in the book, again, the name of the book is Thriving as an Empath, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. Actually, before I even read what you say in the book, I do want to say uh, that some people might not know what an empath is. So how do you define an empath? An empath is a very sensitive person. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm also an empath. So I combine my psychiatric skills with my empathic abilities. Being an empath, is being an emotional sponge, somebody who is very open and sensitive and loving and deep, um, but they tend to not have the same filters that other people have, so they absorb the negative energy or the stress of the world into their own bodies. And so I wanted to write Thriving as an Empath to teach people how to be wildly empathic and not take on the stress of the world. It's a skill set to learn how to do this. 
There are all kinds of levels of self-care in the book. It's a daily reader, so I start with January 1st, January 2nd, and go through each month until the end of the year. And each day has a particular self-care technique that you can use to flourish um, and to really save your energy. And so self-care can run from learning how to set healthy boundaries, which is essential for an empath, learning that no is a complete sentence, learning how to not overhelp in social situations, learning that sensitivity is a gift. All of these self-care techniques are essential to well-being. You know, when I was looking through the book, I mean, there's so much that resonated with my daughter. And, you know, January 2nd, the gift of being different. You write, like many empaths, you may feel as if you don't belong in this world. My daughter says that to me all the time. And then you go on to say, as a child, I always felt different from my peers. Other kids love going to crowded parties and shopping malls, whereas I preferred climbing trees with my best friend or writing poetry. And, you know, you you said something that I, I was so helpful, this anonymous quote, if you feel you don't fit into this world, it's because you're here to create a better one. You know, my daughter's 15, and she's at an age where she doesn't want to be different, and it's very hard. So what was that like for you? Was it, I assume, as you got older, it became easier to say, okay, so I'm different, and this is what I need to do, and I'm sensitive to this, and that's okay, versus right now where you just feel like, ugh, I just want to be like everybody else. I know. Yeah. I mean, at this point in my life, I love being the outsider. I love being different. (laughs) I don't want to fit into the mainstream. It's just not who I am. And so right. I, I love who I don't want to, you know, at this point. But as a teenager, I, I felt ashamed of my um, sensitivities and being an empath. My parents would say, oh, dear, you just have to get a thicker skin or you're right. overly sensitive or toughen up. You know, those kinds of things that make sensitive children feel like there's something wrong with them. Right. And that's how I felt as a teenager. And I got very heavily involved with drugs as a teenager to run from my abilities, you know, that's part of my story, Um, and it's not something I suggest for other people, Um, but there's a a section in my book, The Empath Survival Guide, about empaths and addiction, and so, Mm, you know, oftentimes empaths get overloaded by stimulation and are on sensory overload, and so they reach for a drug, a drink, uh, sex, shopping, food, to numb themselves out so they're not overloaded. And that's a dynamic, if if addiction is in play, that, you know, people need to be aware of. And I'm beyond thrilled to have the wonderful Academy Award winner, Alan Arkin, joining us to talk about how he stays naturally savvy. Just such an incredible actor. Alan, talk to us about your personal life in terms of how you like to take care of your health and and live a healthy lifestyle. I, I was taking, every time you do a film, you have to do a physical, complete physical examination for the insurance purposes. And um, about six months ago, I took my physical, and the doctor was looking at my my chart, my past, all my my uh, all the, uh, the spikes and and, um, and hit, uh, valleys and and mountains in my in my past. And he said, "Oh my," he said, "you had a rough time uh, about 16 years ago emotionally, didn't you?" And I said, "I absolutely did. It was the hardest period of my entire life." And he said, "How do you know that?" He says, because I'm saying that's where all of your sicknesses were. This is about 16 years ago. And I, my m- mouth fell down to my knees, 
and um, and he and he he made an, an exact equation between my emotional condition, the the worst sicknesses I ever had, were all clustered in that area, and I never made that connection. Alan, how do you eat at home? How do you and your wife eat at home? We're one minute away from a sensational. Uh, healthy market that serves almost exclusively organic products and uh, that's basically it. We, we keep off, we don't have desserts except for berries occasionally and uh, very, very low carb which I'm told, I, I, I hate giving up carbs, particularly breads and things like that, but we're told by people who know about these things that that the uh, the the sugars in, in, uh, in flour get into your body even quicker than than regular sugar does so uh, we're we're very careful about carbs and we're very careful about uh, desserts we cheat once in a while but according to the uh, the doctors we pay attention to that if you cheat you give up a meal you 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 mm-hmm. fast for a meal and it tends to help make up for it we now Alan, i'm curious because you you talked about the stress what do you do to de-stress well, I, we meditate a lot. My wife and I have been long-time med- meditators. I've been meditating for 45 years, and wow. um, she has been too. And that, uh, that, that, and it's the things that happen as a result of it have, have helped enormously. Uh, and not re- you know, going on the Andrew Weil um, newspaper diet helps a lot too. <laughs> we try not to read newspapers. <laughs> we don't watch television at all. Um, I know that amazes me that you don't watch, but you do watch movies. Do you ever watch yourself yeah. in movies? No. What, uh, oh, good question. <laughs> uh, only at premieres. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.